Welcome to the Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Ray, and we're coming to you from beautiful downtown Athens, Georgia. Uh, so good to be back with you here in 2022, getting ready to launch this new season. Uh, we've got a really amazing episode for you tonight. We've got to talk with the one and only Marissa Nadler. Um, she's going to talk about her latest record, The, the Path of the Clouds, which, which had a companion EP, The Wrath of the Clouds, come out just recently. Um, we're going to be talking to her about all those, those two projects, those two albums, and uh, also her appearance at Psycho Las Vegas. So it's, it's a really fun chat. Marissa's amazing, as you already know. Um, and I, I would tell everyone to go down the rabbit hole of her catalog. Her music has been a cherished friend for you know as long as she's been putting these things out. So uh, looking forward to uh, that chat, and it'll be up with you in just a minute. Uh, but a few things I want to mention here at the uh, onset. We will be out at Psycho Las Vegas this year after a year layoff due to uh, the uh, whatever variant was going on at that time. Um, so that kept us away uh, last year, but we are back, and hopefully everything will be full speed ahead this year with full coverage uh, also, want to let you know that we are partnering with Cine here in Athens, Georgia. Cine is our local uh, nonprofit art house movie theater. We will be doing a live show, uh, live tapings actually in the in the lab at Cine, which uh, will be live streamed over a number of platforms, and you'll be hearing that hearing about those uh, upcoming soon, uh, as well as the uh, tickets for these shows we've got some really cool guests coming up that'll be there in person so we don't want you to miss any of that so if you're in the athens area make sure you come out uh and as i said we'll be announcing that soon but without further delay let's get to our chat with the amazing marissa nadler all right everybody today we have the one and only marissa nadler on the podcast hello marissa thank you so much for coming on the race show Oh, it's my pleasure. Yay, yay. Okay, cool. Well, today we're going to be discussing the amazing album, The Path of the Clouds, which came out last year, and the companion EP, The Wrath of the Clouds, which came out just recently. And in doing research for this interview, I found Escape repeatedly mentioned as a theme for these songs. To me, I want to add, it celebrates the beauty and the freedom of Escape. I mean, almost the glory of escaping, if you will. It seems like a warm place to be in these songs. Yeah. How did this all start coming about in your head? It was a pretty organic process. I was drawn to some of the stories that I was writing about and finding parallels in my own life and the lives of people that I know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and they, re they reference real-life disappearances and people who seemingly just vanished 
you know, D.B. Cooper is one that sticks out from the title track of The Path of the Clouds. Um, I was fascinated with him when I was a kid because there was this cable movie that I saw, The, the, the Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. So some of these, they're almost mythological characters to me. Was this a choice before writing commenced? Or did the songs just out of caring about these stories and the people in them? Well, a long time ago, I had this idea to write a whole record about unsolved mysteries. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of abandoned that idea and let the let these songs kind of dictate where the record would go. Um, because only three of the songs on the Path of the Clouds are directly um, from real stories and the rest are pretty personal. Um, and I felt like they ended up sitting well together and on a record in an interesting fashion. But I started out with writing exercises, taking notes, watching that show, (laughs) just to kind of, um, it was just like they wrote themselves kind of in a way, just the details of that, the D.B. Cooper story, as well as the Alcatraz escape in, well, sometimes you just can't stay, which is, uh, and, and Bessie and Glenn Hyde, they just, there were such vivid stories that I was just drawn to um, the fact that they really were never solved and people still speculate on what happened to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wrote these songs on piano and an instrument that I read that you learned during lockdown. Had you dabbled before? Was this a first kind of earnest attempt? I had dabbled before. But the, just a little, I took lessons as a kid and quit and didn't have a good teacher. But I ended up taking lessons from the guy that played piano on the record. His name is Jesse Chandler, and he's in um, Mid Lake and Mercury Rev, and just a friend that I met touring. And I started to learn to read music. Um, so I'd always been a self-taught music, ear musician. And so playing on the piano did help me to come up with more uh, different chord progressions than the muscle memory of playing guitar for 20 years. Just you kind of sometimes gravitate towards same stuff. Right, right. Um, well, you know, you just mentioned uh, the piano. You you have an amazing lineup of guests who bring this album to life, including former Cocteau Twins, uh, Cocteau Twins uh, bassist Simon Raymond, you know, Emma Ruth Rundle and harpist uh, Mary Lattimore. What did the process look like putting these collaborations together? I mean, how did you do it? Well, I recorded a lot of the bass tracks by uh, at, at my home studio with Pro Tools, which I also learned during the pandemic. I switched from Logic to Pro Tools. Um, and I just basically asked people to play that I thought would add a lot since I couldn't really collaborate in person. And because of the amount of years I've been doing this, I know a lot of musicians and I was really excited that Simon, who runs my European record label, Bella Union, um, he agreed to do the playing and then sent stuff back the next day just and it was so beautiful. Just it was really organic. I basically kept almost everything people sent, and just it fit together really well. 
Right, right. It's 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 dazzling to listen to. Um, the guitar on this record. Are you doing all the guitar on it, or do you have a lot of guests oh, that are adding? No, um, I play the acoustic finger picking on the guitar, and Milky Burgess, who is um, a multi instrumentalist that I work with a lot, played all the electric guitar, um, like all the riffs and stuff. And he's a great player. And um, so it was really collaborative. He was the only person that was there with me in person when I made the record. Right, um, right. Well, the, the solos on this are so tasteful. I mean, it's like, but epic at the same time. Um, just, just they <laughs> fit the song so perfect. Um, it's just, it's dazzling to hear. Um, like, like something like I couldn't have done the killing. I mean, there's, there's the guitar and everything, the, the callbacks on that. It just has this feeling of moving on, on taking power back from someone who's had a grasp on your emotions. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and very empowering. And the video is so much fun. Um, uh, who did that? It just, it, all those disparate images just... It's really something to watch. Yeah, so my best girlfriend, one of my best girlfriends, Kristen um, from Boston, and her husband, Tyler, Kristen Dutton, Tyler Derryberry, made that video. And they had the concept from the very beginning that the video would be made in the style of, like, late 80s, early 90s crime TV and compiled of clips showing no faces, but just there's no faces in the whole video and it's just, or not a lot. And, um, it was such a, they really just stuck to the concept and executed it perfectly. And it's a really fun video, very, um, noir and kind of a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it just you you keep waiting. It just it just really I don't know. It stuck with me several, and I, I watch very few videos now that are made, so it really stuck with me. Um, but going back to the songs, some of the ones like you mentioned that have real life people in it, you know, and then on the on the wrath of the clouds, you personify something like the Queen Mary, kind of being this this watcher of history. As it's gone yeah. by, you know, in a very, in a very beautiful way. How do you feel about it? Uh, you know? I think the the magic of some of these songs is these these characters stay alive in the listener's mind long after it's over with. And and how do you feel about bringing some of the, resurrecting some of these folks, or at least bringing them back into a modern sense where where people can learn about them? Well, I think that some of the like, for instance, when I watched the Queen Mary episode on Unsolved Mysteries, I had no idea that it had had such a storied reputation of being so haunted. And I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not I believe in ghosts. I was raised by a mother that believes quite strongly in them. Um, <laughs> but I just found it so interesting that it was, like, so verified as a haunted vessel and um just these stories i think were just so interesting as i said they kind of wrote themselves like i have so many records at this point and a large majority of my albums up till this point have been first person well actually that's not true there was the early ones were really made make-believe stories about other people right and then i started writing first person confessional and the new work is kind of an amalgamation of the two. But I just, it was an idea that I had. And I remember my 
people were kind of like, I was worried it would be a little kitschy. That's why I didn't make the whole record. Just, I didn't want it like every song to be like that. Cause yeah. I wanted them to have double meanings. Like a, a woman in an unhappy relationship, for instance, can relate to Bessie Hyde and wanting to maybe escape her life, fake her death, disappear. I just found the parallels really fitting for where I was in my life at the time. Yeah, the 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 did you make it? Did you fake it? That hits so hard, you know, and it, and it really leaves Thanks. it open open ended, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still wondering like there was a woman that claimed to be Bessie, which is in the song, like 50 years later, it kind of like the Russian revolution when Anastasia, the lost daughter, people came forward claiming to be her. Right. And um, I ended up that those women weren't her, but it looks like this Bessie might very well have been the real Bessie because it wasn't a well-known story and it wasn't on the TV show yet. Like nobody really knew about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I find that story fascinating. And I mean, in the way you, yeah. you weave it into the songs, brilliant. Um, and I, I really love the covers you choose. It's almost like a, a work of art the way you choose them. Uh, the choices really reveal your love of music. And The Wrath of the Clouds concludes with a cover of the Lessie Brothers, Seabird. Is this sound in any way, is this an indication of where you're going in the future? <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going in the future. Like I went, I went so hard on that record. Like I really put like almost two years into it in a way. Like I wrote way more than that, the, the songs that are on the record. But the Alessi Brothers song I heard while watching The Hunt for the Wilder People, I think is the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's the closing song on that movie. And I heard it and I was like, what? what is this? This is so catchy. And I just loved it. I loved their lisps. I loved the vocal um, delivery and just, I do love pop and I love, I love a catchy chorus. Like even as bleak as some of my music is, I've always like gravitated towards the accessibility and universality of melody. And so I wasn't even sure I could sing that fast. I had never sung something that fast before poppy so we'll see people really liked it so i might like make up a fake band name and make like a record of like crazy pop or not pop but like you know that style oh my god you should so do that <laughs> yeah it would be really fun yeah yeah maybe i'd extricate myself out of like cult status finally <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, let's let's you're playing uh, Psycho Las Vegas in August. Um, yeah. And uh, how do you prepare a set list for like mostly a, a, a lineup that's got black metal bands, death metal bands for a festival crowd? Or is that even a concern? Well, I've been really embraced by the um, metal, like the black metal community and the goth community. And I think it makes sense because of maybe because of this subject matter of so much of my material, like from the very beginning, like my first record's called Ballads of Living and Dying. And there's like a very high body count in my discography. Um, <laughs> there is. So people, like I fit in more with that crowd than the indie rock crowd. Cause I was just such a, I'm just, I've always been kind of a weirdo. So, um, 
I, when preparing the set list, I think for that, for that show, I'm probably going to play the record. Right. Like, and I'm going to play that with a full band. Um, and I'm excited for it. Like it's starting to come together. It's kind of surreal to even be playing shows these again. Like part of me is like, can I still do this? But of course I can. It's just been so long, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, you'll you'll. It. I, I I see this renaissance happening if things can just maintain on their hopeful trajectory. And and gosh, it is going to be. But that's going to be amazing with a full band out there. Can't wait to see that. What, what's the first festival setting you remember playing at? The first festival that I played was the, um, I, it was a festival in Bristol, England, actually. Like, I was more well-known in Europe before the U.S. Um, for, well, not, I mean, or I toured more there first. When my first record came out, I had an invitation. It was called the Venn Festival. I, was, I had stage fright. I still have stage fright, but I had it's so bad. I was just like petrified and I played alone. I toured alone, taking trains and using phone cards. It was like pre pre iPhone era. Like I was, it was like early two thousands when I started playing live. So now I'm a lot more confident in the material. Still not like a natural performer, but there's a big difference between being a performer and being a musician. Right. Well, yeah. Can you tell us any any anything about the band you're putting together for for these? Yeah. Things? Well, Milky will be with me, okay. and then I have this woman named Monica Cott K H O T, who is going to be singing all my harmonies. Like she, she's been in a bunch of bands, and she showed up for the practice for the New York show, having known every word, every harmony. I was so impressed, and Don McGreevy who's been in earth and um, some other bands is going to play drums and um and milky's been in a bunch like he was in a bunch i met those dudes in seattle and and then i think jesse chandler might be playing the keyboards who it was on the record too so it'll be like a four four piece or five piece and i'm excited oh, for I it and there's some dates up up the west coast that i haven't announced yet and, um, I have a warm-up show in Atlanta, actually. Um, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's uh, just just about an hour and twenty minutes down the road. Yeah. Yeah, like next week. I saw it's that. April eighth. Yeah, yeah. So that's like my first dip back in in a while. So that I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet again. That'll be fun. Are you playing the Eastern? Um. No. Um, or the tabernacle or five, yeah. um, five twenty nine. Oh, yes. That would have been my next guess. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. That's, that's super exciting. Yeah. We're, we're a little college town right down the road. Um, tell all the college kids to come. I'm sure there'll <laughs> be will. like three people there. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I'll bring some people down. Um, yeah. but, um, getting back to, I, I cannot let you get away before i talk to you about this one of my favorite records over the last couple of years and from 2019 you released drone flower yeah. uh, a collaboration with the amazing stephen brodsky of cave-in and others and and this is one of my favorite releases of yours and stevens i mean for the sun is just startling and its originality i mean will we be getting more drone flower yes um steve and i are really good friends and I agree that that project is really special. Um, we kind of wrote the songs collaboratively 
it was the first one of the first times I'd like written to somebody else's like I did that with him and also Simon Ramon for his Lost Horizons project. But um, I think we're going to do another drone flower when um, his cave-in tour, like, they have a big record coming out. And then we talked about doing more because that was just really fun. Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, just the songs themselves, the interludes, the instrumental, I mean, and then the cover of Estranged. You know, I, 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 what what a undertaking there. I, I I remember when those records came out. A strange, I mean, even before the amazing video, but the video uh, that estranged and coma off those two records, the real long epic ones, really stuck out to me. And to hear somebody reinterpret that song in that fashion, I mean, it makes it. I to me, it makes it more dramatic. Yeah, I mean, I'm like a huge Guns N' Roses, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Guns N' Roses ballads. And I know that like Axel has got like kind of a checkered history in some ways. And so like, whatever, I just talk about the music, but I, even my brother remembered how much I loved watching that video as a kid, like of <laughs> Axel swimming with the dolphins and Absolutely. it's got the tastiest riff. And I just thought, I really want to cover that. I'd always wanted to cover it. And it took, we almost gave up on that a bunch of times because it's so long and I do it with just two people without like a full, it was hard, but I am really happy with the way it came out. Spooky. Yeah. I I put that on for people and they are just floored. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's some, it's really great to hear, you know, those songs reinterpreted, you know, through people that were there as well when they were coming out and loved them so much when they were younger. Um, but that's about all I've got today, and I just want to awesome. thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure. Thank you for the interest in my music. It means yeah. a lot. And is there anything you'd like anywhere? Where's the best place our listeners can get in touch with you or, or just uh, a, a hub that would that's, that, to read about the music and purchase music? I would and- say, like, Bandcamp is the best place to, like, get the music because i'm not like the biggest fan of spotify it's on it's everywhere but you know um else if i'm on instagram and all that like i share a lot of my visual artwork on there so yeah i mean just uh thank you so much for listen i'm listening yes thank you I want to thank our guest, Marissa Nadler, for taking her time to chat with us about, about, her, about her music. And uh, make sure you go down the rabbit hole with, with, with her records. They're so amazing. They're, and, and Drone Flower, which we were just talking about with Stephen Brodsky of, uh, of, of Cave-In. It's, it's a really special record, and uh, I know you're going to dig it. And that's our show for tonight. We will be back with you very soon. And uh, stay switched on, and we'll talk to you later. Mm